Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm here, I'm still here with Corey <laughs> King. This is episode maybe two of two with her, maybe two of three. I don't know where this, this is going to go. I can't guarantee anything. It took us like an hour to go through like like one mountain. So we got like four more to cover. So we, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go listen to that one first and then come back to this one. So... I'd say welcome back, Corey, but we're, back. same day we're still here. So like, yeah. We had a lunch break. Yeah, that's it. So um, I know we were going to talk about the emotional mountains, which mm-hmm. was one of the five mountains, one of your mm-hmm. five pillars. Um, so let's let's go. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, this one might be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more um, telling in my own personal life. Um So here we go. Um, With the emotional development, when Bill and I did this together as well, and and since then we've revisited this many, many times because this is stuff that you always want to kind of keep working on. This is a big one. This is a hard one. This is where people have to do those really big intro, you know, sections and look inside and holy shit stuff, right? Stuff that we don't really like to do. Mm -hmm. But it is really critical for development. So within the emotional uh, mountain, we can break it down to, you know, emotional awareness, emotional management, resiliency, development. So there's different aspects to this one, Um, being authentic, compassion. And there's something that is really critical about, um, they refer to it as cleaning up your boo or your shadow. And what that means is you can call your shadow, your demons, your dark side, your, where you may feel shame, you know, your anxiety lingers, all those things that are just really ugly that we deal with every day that everybody deals with and everybody has to some level. So in the emotional one and a little bit in the mental as well, they, you know, you're really sort of challenge to really look at that and then clean that up and and what does that look like and it's different for everybody um so this one you know in all honesty is a lot easier for me this one was really hard um for the men in the room and when I say was with the with we did this as an exercise with the navy seals in the room there was very few women as you could imagine I was one of the very few women there you know, this one, I aced it, right? Like, uh, I'm an emotional, connected person. I do believe that. So for me to talk about all this stuff was, feels good for me, even when it's hard. And I could look at all the guides around, and the funny story was we had to pair up in our little group, and we had to pick somebody who wasn't your, you were there with. Because mm-hmm. some were there, there was fathers and sons, and a lot of that, again. Again, very few women. Yep. So Bill turned and partnered up with a, one gentleman, and I partnered up with a different person. His name, he was from New York, and he had that strong New York, I can't say it, New York accent. He was yeah. just, he was a very Italian. Yeah. So him and I totally hit up. We were both emotional. Yeah. Like, we were both, like, we had good mamas and stuff, right? Like, we were, 
so we had to really dig deep on stuff like that. And then they kind of, you kind of scored yourselves after. And it's so funny because all the men in the room were like zero. They could not come up with anything that was really, um, uh, was really intense. So I kind of giggled and, and Bill's like, well, or, and the other men would be like, well, we know where we're at. We have to work now. So it was pretty, it was funny, but it wasn't. <laughs> so when you're looking at emotional development, um, being authentic and finding out those things about you, that's a tough one. Um, uncovering the really dark things and I guess I'll, I'll just jump right in with awareness, management, and resiliency. So what, what could happen in your life that would almost throw all that shit at you at one time? Can you think of anything that might one thing, other than, you know, the cool. loss of a loved one, of course, is, is huge, and that's a very an emotional thing for sure. And, mm-hmm. But one thing we all can relate to at different stages of our life is like a broken heart. There's nothing like, especially your first broken heart, like you want to die. You know, that first intense love that you've had just rips you apart, hey? But the biggest lessons we can learn about who we really are in those situations is when you have a broken heart. It just teaches you so much about your maturity your compassion for yourself and for the ex. Like it just, you feel like you're never going to get over that person because they are the center of your universe. And it sucks. And for like two weeks, you're like walking around as a zombie. And I, I mean, I'm thinking of a young person, especially going through this, not so much as, you know, as you get older, you, cause you have, we've built some resiliency by, by my stage of life, hopefully. But again, you just look at them, you're like, oh, and they just, they're like, I'm never going to love again, or I'm never going to do this right, or I'm never going to trust again, or I'm never going to do this again. And until they walk through that pain and start to come out the other side, where they can start to, okay, I think I'm going to be okay, right? That is like your first really big lesson of absolute gut-wrenching, emotional, oh, and I highly recommend everybody have a heartbreak because it really does teach you so much about what yourself. And it's the beginning stages of how to develop healthy relationships if you take that as a learning experience. So I use that as, you know, I remember my first heartbreak. I thought, oh my God, oh, I can't, you know, I just couldn't believe it. It was just the worst thing in the world. And I didn't know how to navigate from that because I I felt super, you know, this is my person. Well, it's not your person. You're going to love more than once. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. You're going to have, but you don't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. So I use that story as, as sort of the groundbreaking to get into the emotional things because everybody can somewhat relate to that and it gets the feelings going, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Have done that. Am in that. Don't ever want to go back to that again, whatever feeling you are on that one. So how do we develop then really good relationships? Friendships, romantic, 
um, even a coworker, you know, whatever relationship you're in, how do you develop good relationship and having good people around and being authentic? That's a tough one. And that too is through learning and making mistakes. Communication. Communication, absolutely. And to be kind of, to learn to get good at it, it probably meant you were bad at it at one time. You've got to suck at it if you yeah. want to get good at it. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking over the past, you know, many years, it's like, yeah, there's times where I didn't show up for a friend. I was a bad friend. I didn't show up when I think they needed me. I had to learn that. Because when it was my turn for somebody to show up to me and somebody who did, I recognized that. I recognized when they showed up for me and I could think like, oh, I didn't show up for so-and-so back in whatever day it was, right? So I understood what it was like not to be a good friend. And I knew that I can do better. I got to learn to be a better friend in any relationship. So those are tough things to ask yourself. Are you a good friend? How can I do better? How do I show up? and be present for that friend who may not, it's not, a, not overall so a crisis, just, just show up, right? What are they, how can I be a good person to that, my friend today? How can I help them? You might even not have to say anything. You, you could just be not. there and listen. You can just exactly be there and, yeah, Ig- not, not say anything, just being there sometimes, right? Just, I've, experienced a lot of trauma. I know personally what it's like to walk in hell. I feel like I've visited hell a couple of times in my life. I'm sure everybody has a story like that. A really low point, really sad, very scary point in everybody. You can't, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who hasn't been. So what I've learned that when I see a friend who is struggling, could be my could be be my spouse, you know, not that Bill and I've had that yet together, we haven't, but it could be my mission statement now is I may not fully understand where you are, because I haven't experienced the exact same thing, but I will walk in hell with you until I can help you walk out of hell. That to me is that's a friend. That's a that's somebody, and I take that to heart. And I've been blessed with some amazing friends in my life, and I have an amazing girl tribe around me, and I have really good people in my life, but I've worked at that. That doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate that. That's all part of building your emotional development, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. So... I've had a few really close friends that when I've been in the pits of hell have walked and stood beside me. And I will never forget that, what they have done for me. If I can only do half of that for somebody else, I will do that for them. So that is, for me, how I can measure what it means to be a good friend. And it's not all, it doesn't have to always be in a traumatic experience either. I want to reiterate that. Again, it could be, 
I ran out of gas on the perimeter. It's minus 5,000 degrees in the winter. And that one person that you call at four o'clock in the morning, can you bring a dairy can, a dairy can of gas? And they show up. There you go. Somebody just walked in hell with you. Could be just that too, right? Because that's that's life-threatening as well. Yep. So when you want to have healthy wonderful relationships, you have to cultivate them. So that means you have to learn to be a good friend, bottom line. When you learn to be a really good friend, and I choose to show you my vulnerability, my shadow, my silliness, my joy, and you just take me for who I am, we're golden. So when I come to Stark, and I met all the new people here. I'm silly, I'm goofy, I'm full of joy because I want to connect with people. And then in that connection, I can be vulnerable, honest, and authentic. But I have to be willing to be vulnerable, and that's freaking big one. So Got to build, build trust first before oh. you can be vulnerable. But here's the thing on vulnerability. This is my thing on vulnerability. This is a big one. It's really big. So I don't have to have trust with people for vulnerability. And this is an, and this can be taken in different ways. I decide who I show my vulnerability to, share with, show to, in any any format. I get to decide that. If I'm having a conversation with somebody and I feel that in that moment I think that I'm going to show them my vulnerability because I think this person just needs a little extra support, that's my choice. I get to decide. If they choose to not respect that or hurt that, that is a reflection on them and not on me. What I say in that moment, I would say freely anywhere else because I would own it. So I made the choice to do that. I also know that if I've put something out there, that's still on me. Yes, it would suck if somebody betrayed that. Yeah, yeah, it still would hurt. But I still made that choice. So I will take that as a learned learning lesson for me. So then what happens in that, I, I take the power of that. Right now, I'm responsible for that, not them. I have no responsibility how that another person takes that. Only what I chose to do, and then the, I know what the outcome could possibly be. It could be negative or positive. That's on me. So then I don't feel this sense of fear. And let's be clear. It's taking me 50 years to figure this out, <laughs> right? This is not something that comes easy. These are lessons learned usually because you've been hurt and that you understand that, that you don't want to put that on anybody else again in the future, but then now I'm taking responsibility for that. I always, and again, it comes back to that, what is the most courageous thing you can do? And that is telling the truth. That is a vulnerability. That is something I'm choosing to do, right? So then I don't feel like it's out of my hands. I have no control of what other people do or say or think about me, only what I think about myself. 
And other than that, I have to let the rest of it go because I will make mistakes. I will say stupid shit. I am not perfect. I will own it. And that's just the truth. (laughs) That's just my truth. Like, it's easier said than done. But I can, I can decide what environment I want to share that in. So, yeah, you know, there is, there also is another side to it. And like you said, be, be careful who you trust. It's also, be careful who you do give that vulnerability to, right? And there will be some learning lessons in that. Not everybody deserves your vulnerability. They don't deserve it. And it's not about trusting them. They just don't deserve it. You know, they're maybe not mature enough to understand or recognize it. Um, I've had uh, some of the the Stark members who I consider friends and I I adore them and other people outside of Stark share some really incredibly personal, vulnerable things with me. And I felt so honored. I felt so honored that they shared that with me. That I, you know, hear... I was saying all these things to them and I was, you know, inspiring them or I was understanding them or I made them feel good. But really, they did way more back to me because they shared something about themselves, a shadow, a demon, whatever you want to call that. And I was like, wow, that was an honor that they did that, that they felt that they could do that. So I often will ask myself, what can I do to make people feel that they're heard and understood, even if I don't really understand what they're going through? And my measurement for that is when you have a conversation with somebody and you walk away, how do you feel? Ask yourself how you're feeling. I don't feel very good after talking to that person. I don't know. I can't really put a, I can't describe it. I don't feel good when I talk to them. And that's, we can talk about, that's a bit of your intuition, right? Or it's like, I walk away, I feel so good. They just told me a horrible story, but we talked, we shared something. I wish them, a, you know, you know, I'm here, you know how to get a hold of me, or I hope you have a, a better day, or they're sharing something good and joyous. When you walk away from someone, you feel really good. That's like, okay, that's a good thing. Right? So, again, it comes back to I can decide. A measurement for that, again, is when you finish that conversation, you walk away, how do you feel? And you kind of know. Who deserves your vulnerability? Who doesn't? Again, your responsibility, you shared it. So, you know, that's another thing, too. And those are things that are outside. Let's rock about therapy. So when you don't know or how to get past or through or evolve or learn or deal with, I'm a huge believer in therapy. Huge. If it's not your thing, totally cool. But hopefully you'll have one, maybe two people that you can just talk to. Hopefully, you know. Because even one is like you've hit the lottery. If you have more than one, you're blessed, right? But if, and if you're not comfortable with that, there, I think therapy is a really cool place to start. Um, they really keep 
they give you a safe place as well to deal with a lot of stuff. And I, again, have become, I've had some traumatic life experiences. Um, I probably had a lot of PTSD for a long time and it started to manifest in other ways in my life. Again, I always came back to being physical. It was always my grounder. But then I knew when it, that wasn't working for me anymore, I had to step outside that and go to somebody who could really help me. I have absolutely no shame in saying I've been in therapy for now almost a year. Um, I have an amazing therapist. We've developed a very, very strong relationship. Um, you know, she says, you, you can tell it's almost like we both look, at, look forward to seeing each other because we, there's a lot of things I know intellectually. I get it. I read a shit ton. I'm curious about human nature. But being intellectually aware and then putting things into actual action for you is that bridge can be hard to, to, to make, right? So I think it's a good place to go. I think it's a good place to bridge that to make you one step better than yesterday because your easiest day was yesterday. Even if there was 100 burpees yesterday, that's your easiest day because that day's passed. You did it. Mm-hmm. So we tend to get stuck, Right. And being emotionally stuck can stick you in ways that you have no idea. And it can keep you in a place of pain, shame, anxiety. It can keep you into that loop. So what we do as human beings, we're really good at telling ourselves our story. And we stay in that story over and over and over again. When reality is that's really not our story, but it's the story we tell ourselves and we believe it, mm-hmm. but it's actually not real. We need to learn the tools to change our, our story because it should be ever-evolving. So when we talk about heartbreak, my, the first love of my life died. He committed suicide. So my heartbreak was, not only did he leave me, he actually left the planet. Like, he took his life. I was 20. He had suffered addiction. I was the quintessential essential, uh, enabler. Um, tried to love him, love him well again. And it, it, it's not that I, it's hard to talk about, but it changed the trajectory of my life. I was unprepared. I didn't know how to deal with anything. I didn't have the tools, the language or anything and no support system because it was, it was right out of left field. I was just a kid. How long did you know each other for? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. And you had dated for how long? Seven years. Seven. Okay. <laughs> like we were literally, <clears throat> we met when we were young and we were just a small town again. There's like, you know, just. Not to a put, lot of options. Yeah. Lot of, that and my, <laughs> yeah. I think my brother, 
and his wife had been together since they were 12 years old. They were little wee, you know, middle yeah. school sweethearts yeah. that stayed dating all the way through, got married, and have been together ever since, you know. They're 56 years old, and they've never been apart. I mean, it's crazy, but small town. Anyway. <laughs> There's nothing like, you know, so I, I know what it's like to be in the pits of hell for that and then to try to navigate life through that in a, with, with, I always had a drive that I knew I wanted more out of my life and I wanted to do something right and I wanted to be down a different path and there was always this little speck of light at the end of the tunnel that I kept driving towards, not even know how to get there. So all these things that we go through in our life does teach you and, and some of the tools that we learn when we're going through really hard things work for a while. They get you through those things, but after a while they stop working. So then you need you need to work at finding other ways of moving through other things, like through the hard things. I, I feel therapy is one of them. It has been for me. Is it just, it's the little steps that get me through the next step. So then I can be like, oh, okay, now that makes sense. So for a long time in my 20s, uh, the story I told myself, well, I was Hal's girlfriend. You know, I'm, I, I was Hal's girlfriend and, and he died. And... I'm really messed up. So I told myself, I, I believed that for a long time. But, but that's not who I was. It's what I experienced, but it wasn't who I was. I didn't, at 20, I had no idea, I didn't have the tools or, or a yeah. way to deal through that. So I had to figure that shit out. And back then, was there, was there much help? There was, was nothing. There... there was nothing. Do you know what I used to do? I used to go to AA meetings. I would sit in the back of the room and I would listen to addicts talk. Because it was something. Because it was something. It was a form of therapy. I was Again, I was the enabler because I kept thinking I could love him well, which you can't. I didn't know that at the time. So imagine the guilt I felt when he died. So, this, so you were going to those AA meetings while he was still alive? No, he was, had passed. Okay. But I couldn't understand why he did what he did. I didn't understand the addiction side. I didn't understand the mental health aspect. I didn't understand any of that. So I would go to these meetings and I would sit in the back and I wouldn't tell anybody I was there. And I would just listen to them talk. So I could understand what was going through his mind and how come I couldn't save him. I couldn't understand that and I had to learn that and I had nowhere else to go for it. Those were tough things to have to deal with when you were that young. And I say that now looking back, but at the time it was like, that's what you did. Or it's what I, I didn't know what else to do. So a long time, I sort of lived with a lot of guilt, and I did the whole grieving process like there is a process. A lot of anger and a lot of fear around that. It's because I couldn't save his life. So maybe there's always been a part of me that desperately just wants to be of service to people. Maybe part of that is all connected. as like maybe that's part of what changed the way I think and feel about life is 
if we don't do something, if I can't just speak about some things to maybe help somebody else's life or see things from a different perspective, whether it be their physical, emotional, or whatever mental health, to me, it's like it's this drive to do that. I think a lot of it stems from I couldn't save him, 100%. I couldn't save him. There's nothing I could do, and the guilt is crazy. So if I can talk to somebody a little bit about substance use, physical fitness, you know, nourishing yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, I feel like it's, it's in, I can't stop it. Like sometimes I'll talk too much when people don't even want to hear it. But I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll help somebody, you know, because I do believe that if we have more communication about these really hard conversations, it might make a difference for somebody. I don't know who I may never know. And not to think that I'm going to be anything that's going to be because of me, but it, it has to help somebody. It just has to. So, you know, the second big thing that I went through is I had cervical cancer. So I had just had Sean, my third child, and they had found it ac- quite accidentally, actually. And I remember I was, he was just a baby. I was like, good Lord, my kids are babies. Because I had three kids in four years, which I don't recommend. <laughs> so There's about five years of sleep deprivation. I, I don't remember the whole. But they have, they are the biggest joy and sense of pride. I can't even put into words. It's like when I gave birth to those little buggers, that was my whole purpose to have the gift of these kids. These souls were given to me. I was like, oh, I love being a mom. And I do love being a mom. Don't like, break them. Don't break them. Oh, I love my kids. <laughs> God damn it. And they've challenged the living <laughs> shit out of me. But I love them so much. I am so proud of them. Um, but after I had had Sean, they had found the cervical cancer. I remember there was a time I was sitting in the shower sitting on the floor in the shower. I was l- looking at my mortality. Because you're faced with it. Like, I don't know if I'm coming out of this. I have no idea. It was in the beginning stages of it. I am sitting here, so obviously it's been... I was very, very fortunate. I was very fortunate. How many years ago was that? So Sean is going to be 20 this year, and he was still a baby, or maybe he was not quite one yet. Oh, so 2002 or three. Maybe four? Gosh, see again, I'm so bad with dates. 20-ish years. Yeah, a little while yeah. ago, yeah. Okay. And um, I'm like, who's going to raise these kids? They need their mom. You know, what's a Bill going to do? He's going to be, like, lost without me. And, you know, because I kept thinking, you know, what dad wants to be raising three little babies on his own, you know. Anyway, those are the thoughts that you have. And, again, it was like, pull your big girl panties up. We got to pull on some resiliency here. How do we do that? Right? How do we, how do I do this? So it's like that saying, you fake it till you make it. You smile and you put one foot forward. Today I'm just getting out of bed. Just going to make a meal. Right? That's what you do. So you learn those strategies to get you through and, and you work with them until they no longer work. And then you have to, like, really, okay, reassess. What do I got to do now? Keep it simple at the beginning. Keep it simple because when you're in a state of trauma, 
there is no clarity. There's no clarity of thought. So you keep everything super simple. And you reach out to the help around you. You've got to let go of your ego. You've got to reach out for help. You've got advice. Somebody, you know, can you help me come over and do some law? You've got to, like, help you. You've got to ask for help to the best of your ability. And again, that also comes back to being a good friend, right? You have, you surround yourself with good people. And I had really good people at the time that could come over and help me like put a meal together or bathroom of the kids or whatever. So through all those things that we go through in life, good and bad and ugly, what happened to me was the scariest emotion I could have was joy. Because every time I felt joy, the first thing I would thought was going to get taken away from me. So I couldn't think about anything happy. You know, when you think about your beautiful baby sleeping in bed or going on a walk to the park and looking at butterflies flying around, and this is such a beautiful moment, and the first thing that would come into my head was, oh, my God, they could get taken away from me, or I could get taken away from them. So I really had some things to work through. You know, like I couldn't live in the moment of joy. That was terrifying for me. Because it would bring me back to everything that could, I could lose. Yep. So these are things that I had to work through and learn. Um, anybody can ask themselves, like, what are your, I hate the word trigger. It's such an overused word. But what are your things that sort of, oh, they get you a place you don't want to be? Again, the stories we tell ourselves, we have to stop that. How do we do that? One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Change your story change your perception, right? And, and it's not easy. And my whole goal of wanting to get through these experiences, I, I didn't want happiness and I didn't want joy. I only wanted peace. So I strive to get to a place of peace because I know that sometimes when I think about joy too much, I get the anxiety comes up that's going to get taken away. Mm-hmm. Happiness is fleeting. I'm happy when I'm doing a burpee. I know I am. I can't mm-hmm. believe I'm admitting that. I've never seen you smile while you're doing one. Well, no. I'm happy. Okay, I'm okay. happy. I'm <laughs> it's happy. on the inside. On the inside. <laughs> but I want <clears throat> to find peace. And peace to me is just accepting exactly where I am right now at this time. And I feel okay. That's enough. To me... That's the fucking secret of living is moving towards peace. Because I know a lot of people who are very highly driven, they are always unsatisfied. It's always the next big thing. And I get, oh, I get that. I totally, because I have that drive. I'm getting older, so it's slowing me down a bit. But I've always known that I have this thing in me that I can't seem to quiet, this little monster. I have to do more. I have to try harder. I have to go harder. I have to learn more. I have to be better. I have to be do this. I have to do that. Blah, blah. Go further. Yeah, go further. Like yeah. Corey was, okay, you've bodybuilded. You've competed nationally. You know, you've done races. You've adventure raced. We're damn good at it too. I've climbed mountains around the world. I've done some really, really cool shit. Yeah. I've done some really cool shit. It was never enough. It was never enough to quiet the monster. That's not a bad thing. 
there's, you know, it's not a bad thing, but it'd be nice to have a little bit more balance at times at those times. Having the kids grounded me. I mean, there's only so much you could do when you had the three kids, but the whole goal now for me is just peace. How do I get to peace? And I work on that every day. And, you know, quieting down the insecurities because we all have them. Or how about we just accept them? Because when we accept that we have them, we know they're there. They're not going away. And here's another thing, too. All those things that we want to kind of get through, Mm -hmm. the tough times, the anxiety, you know, all those things that we kind of struggle with at all uh, times, elevated heart rates, the sweating, like all that insomnia, because that's all part of it. Those are signs, right? Mm -hmm. How do we just get to a place of peace? It's, they're not going to go totally away. They never really do. But can we get to a place of acceptance that this is part of who I am? And then there's a sense of peace that comes with that. Yes, I'm going to have some days that are higher in anxiety than other days, higher in sadness, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's still part of me, but I am fully accepting of where I am because when I can do that, then I have a bit more clarity. Because it always comes back to the clarity. How do I make being in a peaceful state of mind with clarity even in an unstable atmosphere? Because life is super unstable, right? Breath work is a big one. That whole box breathing, the whole two short breaths in through the nose, slowly out through the mouth, gets the mind to settle again. There is tools available to us to help regulate that in an, um, in an emotional stress time. We can get ourselves back down. And there is tools out there that we can learn that get us there. Um, emotional resiliency. So this is a good one. I'm, I'm just thinking about something that I had written down Several weeks ago, I've got, I've got pretty close to like 300, 300 quotes that I've come <laughs> up with, and I've just been putting them together, and uh, one of them was, you know, every, every time you walk away from someone, every interaction mm-hmm. you have some, with someone, like, you know, pretend it's, it's the last one. How, oh, yeah. how do you want to be, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to feel with that interaction, do you want to walk away pissed off? Do you want to do you want to walk away at peace? Kind of like mm-hmm. what you were saying, mm-hmm. and um, you know, not to not to be morbid or anything, but like mm-hmm. at night, you know, saying goodnight to Alexa and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether it's it's tucking her in and just saying I love you and hearing her say I love you too. Like, mm-hmm. it's just it's just something that I, I think like, what if this is the last time I hear mm-hmm. it? And and not to be morbid about it or anything like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but I just, it's something that I, that I think about and, you know, whether like anything can happen, like anything, mm-hmm. I could get into an accident, mm-hmm. you know, on the way to work in the morning, I could, you know, something could happen at, at her school or, or whatever, like you don't know. And not to, not mm-hmm. that you want to be going around thinking about what could happen all day, every day, because mm-hmm. that could be. Mm-hmm. That could be mm-hmm. <laughs> super destructive, mm-hmm. but you know, just being at peace with these relationships mm-hmm. and conversations that you have with people, and uh, and walking away, and and it is it's the people that you choose to to be around as mm-hmm. well. Like if you're hanging around toxic people and mm-hmm. unhappy all the time, like 
you know, you, you might not be right, at peace. Right. No, and, and what you're saying, I challenge anybody to not have those thoughts, especially with their kids. I challenge you. We all have those thoughts of our mortality. We have to. We are only here for a limited time. Yeah. It is a fact. Yeah. There is no certainty. And what a lot of type A personalities and a lot of go-getters, we like certainty. Yeah. Right? We want to know. Life is not certainty. So when you get to a place of acceptance, right, of where you are right now with that level of peace, you can let go of that feeling of needing to have certainty because there is no certainty. And it sounds easy to say it. It's different to live it, right? Because we all wish we can control the narrative all the time and we cannot. We know there will be hard times to come. We know there'll be good times. They'll know there'll be boring times. They'll know there'll be all sorts of times. There is no certainty, but how we respond to that. And like I say, I always come back to how do we respond to that and can I stay in a level of peace? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I don't do a very good job of that. Because I'm also, I'm an emotional being. I have feelings and sometimes they're heightened, right? You know, if somebody, if, if somebody came to me and say, oh, so-and-so is really sick and, you know, we're worried for them, I'm going to be really upset. So it's hard to stay calm and in peace in a moment like that, right? We all do that. What works for you and what works for me or for somebody else, we're all a little different. We all have to find our own way. Everybody processes differently. We don't all process the same. Some need to talk that shit out. Some don't want to say a goddamn word to another person. We all have our ways of processing. We have to find what is a healthy way for each of your, for yourself. Yep. It's, it's, here's another analogy for friendships, and I've got a lot of them. This, one's, this is a Corey King one, too. When we can recognize our relationships and be honest with ourselves and who we should have in our life and what's toxic and what's healthy, here's an analogy for you. So think of you're sweeping the floor in the gym one day, big broom, you got a big broom and you're just sweeping away. There's toxic people in your life that do not serve you. They are not serving you in any form whatsoever, in any capacity. And you have to make a decision. And you don't have to be aggressive or mean or rude. or You can be quietly stepping back and away, right? Mm-hmm. Just quietly, I need to move away from here. I have no animosity. I have no, I'm just going to step away because this is not good for me. In my mind, I picture sweeping with a big broom. I just sweep those people out of my life because I am very much an, um, a visual person. So I picture that broom. And we're just going to sweep them out the door. <laughs> and we're going to close the door. We're not going to slam it. We're just going to close the door. And I'm going to tell myself, that's not serving me. Why would I allow that to come around and create this very unpeaceful world? And it's the same type of thing as walking away from having a uh, conversation with somebody and feeling icky. It's the same shit. But you're going to take that broom and you're going to spend less time with those people. And you can do it just slowly. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to move on. 
doesn't have to be big, big production. It, can't, it doesn't have to be like a Jerry Springer show, you know, where they come out and they fight and everything. No, no. It's just, it can be just that. And relationships, and I know this is an old saying from way back, are like seasons. Some come in, some go out. Some are there to teach you and then move on. Some are with you for, for the long haul. It, it, it's the same thing. So I take that broom, I sweep that shit out. It's also okay to be disappointed in people. I, I can, I'll speak for just being a, a woman, but we tend to feel a lot of guilt for a lot of things that we don't own because we just are that way. Yep. Like we're just guilty all the time. We, <laughs> we're just always guilty. We have kids, we're guilty. We're a bad parent, we're guilty. We're, you know, I yelled at my kid today, I'm guilty, whatever. Or people always disappointed in me or whatever. I'm not doing a good enough job. Why can't I be disappointed in somebody else who didn't step up? Why does it always have to be, kind of be a reflection on back on us? Well, no, actually, I'm kind of disappointed in you, right? Yeah. Also, stop taking ownerships for shit that you don't own, right? Stop owning things that you don't own. We're really bad at that. We take on other responsibilities or other, other things that just don't belong to us. And we waste an awful lot of time on that. All you can say is, well, that sucks for you and move on because you can't own everything, right? It's not your full responsibility for everything, right? Sometimes you try, but... But it's not yours. And you make it worse. So what's another one here? Face the demands of life voluntarily. Respond to challenge instead of bracing for catastrophe. It is a scientific fact that if you change that mindset where you voluntarily step into life, I wrote that shit down somewhere, hang on. (laughs) When you voluntarily step in to the challenges of life, your nervous system has a different response. When you're bracing you know, it's like holding down the, the handles of, you know, the side of the ship and you're just bracing for the next big wave coming at you. Your central nervous system is just fired. Like you're, you're going to burn that shit out. But if you voluntarily step into the really hard shit in life and face it full on, your nervous system has a totally different, you're not going to burn out. You're going to actually become empowered. That is a scientific fucking fact. Yeah. It's a lot like boxing. It's, uh, oh, you're standing perfect. there up against the ropes and getting punched and you learn very quickly, you know, someone's throwing body shots at you. You take a breath, you're holding your breath, you're clenching, you're tight and you just keep taking shot after shot after shot. You burn out so much quicker, but if you're accepting those and you exhale a little bit while maintaining tension, you're able to just keep going. It doesn't do as much damage. It doesn't wear you down as much. Perfect a, analogy. Perfect. And what was the one word you said in there? You said the word accept. Yeah. When you accept that, it's a total different game changer. Perfect. When I accept where I am, right, now I, I can, there's a bit of clarity now I can deal with it. 
I remember people would ask, how do you, how do you not get punched? I'm like, you, you can't, <laughs> there's, there's no avoiding it. You're in the ring, you know, to, to box or kickboxing or whatever. It's like, you don't, you don't not get punched. You learn how to take those punches. There you go. Like that. Yeah. Oh, it's way better analogy than what I had. <laughs> way better. It's different. Oh, it's yeah. different. <laughs> Just looking at my notes here, making sure I'm not missing anything because there's so much here. Oh, here's another good quote too. I love quotes too, Paul. I love them. So have you ever heard the World War II paratrooper? Oh, that's a good one. So it's ask for the tough, turmoil, the suffering. Promise me you'll keep it coming and give me strength to deal with it. Oh, Jesus, I like that one. So here's the thing. We know that the obstacles that are going to come in our life, they're coming. We don't know when or how big or how small or maybe we'll have a break for a while. We have no idea. Do you ever talk to people where they say, oh, just not one more thing? Well, we're kind of talking about the weather, just not one more minus 30. But we hear that a lot, right? Because we start to feel overwhelmed. So what if we change that thinking is, promise me you'll keep giving me that. But the strength then to deal with it. So when we start to change that way of thinking, listen, I don't want any more goddamn drama in my life or stress either. I really don't. I really don't. I'd rather just have Friday night skiing with the girls, wine night. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather do all these all fun, happy, dappy do things. But I know that there will be more challenging times and obstacles coming my way. I don't want to. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I don't want to sit there braced waiting for them. I want to continue on my life and my peacefulness and my acceptance. And when one of the more of those comes, I want to be able to keep rolling with that obstacle, but I'm still going to face it head on. How do I do that? I have to build resiliency. I have to understand who I am and how I act and react. I have to know that. Those are tough places to go to ask yourself those questions. Sometimes I'm really good at it and sometimes I'm really bad at it, right? By no means do I have that shit figured out. I'm just one day closer to hopefully finding it out to still stay closer to peace than unpeacefulness. Yeah. So that's sort of... Uh, there's, there's things you can't change either. Can't you, can't change. Change, you can't change the weather. So it's just like... You know, sort of deal with it. Mm-hmm. Dress warmer. Stay inside. Get outside. Do, do something. But, mm-hmm. like you, like you said before, like take the next step. Right. Teeny tiny. Yep. You know, or big. Whatever you're ready for. Like there, there is no, there's no set right or wrong for anything. And it's complicated. We don't know. You know, you don't know how your upbringing may have influenced this or some of the challenges or experiences you've had in the way where it be physical, mental, emotional, you know, traumas, whatever. We have no idea where that trajectory will go. But if we can learn who we are at the core of that, we can understand maybe why we behave a certain way in certain situations, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of be a little kinder to yourself. Like, oh, Okay. I got some learning to do here, right? Everybody has those shadows. Everybody has a dark side, a monster, whatever you want to bloody well call it. 
if you can accept the fact that we have that in us, we see it, we understand it, we learn to control that because we all have it. We can all be really bad. <laughs> we have it in us to do it. There's a war going on right now between Russia. We have the capacity to be monsters, right? I don't care what side you're on. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying we can be a monster. When you know who you are, you understand who you are, and you can harness that and use it for good, that's, that's amazing, right? That's amazing. Yep. If those shadows are keeping you from living your full life, and keeping you from that, whether it be from a trauma, an addiction, unexplained event, an injury, an accident, a loss of a loss of a loved one, childhood abuse, any of those things that you can connect to a shadow, demon, whatever. Seek out the support and the help to look at those. Because when you start to clean up, and the whole thing about this emotional thing is you're really just trying to clean up all that emotional stuff. But you got to put the work into that. So it's a giant broom, but it's a slow sweep. Because this is the hard work. This is the really hard thing. I can work on my deadlift every day and get better and better and better. Pretty quick. A little bit painful, but I can get there. This emotional shit, holy, this is big. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lifelong process. It's, it's, it's The more demons you have, the longer it's going right. to take, the more setbacks you're going to have. Like. Yeah, and it can hold you back. It can hold you back from the peace and the life on the other side. And it's the fear of crossing that other side because the work is so scary. And the fear of what if. Like, I've never oh, been there before. It's right? terrifying. It's terrifying. But it's, and I promise you, I've had to cross that bridge a few times. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And there was some really dark, hard times to get to, to recognize in myself to get to the other side, but it's so worth it. Um, in my totally um, imperfect self, right? I'm so imperfect and I'm okay with that. Um, a lot of signs of those that people aren't even aware of, that they don't even know that they're having a shadow coming after them. They don't even realize it. You know, it's the anxiety. It's the anger. It's the guilt. It's the shame. Those are physical symptoms of what's going on emotionally. The body will tell you. The body will tell you when your things aren't right. Like... Insomnia. Oh, I have that. I think that's menopause, though. But fatigue. Um, it's hard to concentrate. Aches and pains. Here's another one. Aches and pains aren't always from the actual physical. It's actually a mental manifestation in the body. To, for some people that are that are not, you know, dealing with their mental health, their their emotional uh, health, uh, mountain. Yeah, increased inflammation in the body from whether it's lack of sleep yeah. or. And yeah, we can talk about stress. Hundred percent. I mean, what I mean is cancer. They say stress isn't one. Another thing to you know, it's, there's a cause, yep. causation to that as well. You know, it's 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 interesting is when we can really deal with these hard things. This all again, this emotional mountain comes right back to the physical again. Because how the emotional and the physical side they're they're absolutely connected. 
So when you look at all these mountains that we're talking about, they're all actually connected. They're all stronger with each other. So it all comes to full circleness, right? But how do you heal? How do you heal that emotional pain? Oh, it's hard. So hard. And it's going to be harder, more so for some than others, yeah. right? Um, movement and exercise is a great beginning, right? It changes the chemistry right there in that brain. Yeah. Connect with others, community. Create your community, whatever that is for you. Again, come to the gym. It's a great one. We all love you. Um, ask for help. And another thing to do is volunteer. Huge believer in volunteering because once you start helping somebody else, I tell you what you get back is more than what you can ever give. And that helps to heal. So there's ways to deal with that, you know, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Holy shit balls, it's going to be hard work. But to do that sets you on a trajectory for peace. If that's your goal, it's my goal. Maybe I'm speaking more about myself, but it's always been about peace. I can't guarantee the happiness and the joy, but I, I know I can get to peace. So yeah. Um, becoming aware of influences around you so you can make changes. Some people are really good when they step into a room, they can read a room pretty quick emotionally. They can actually read it pretty quick. Being aware, having that sort of awakening, that means being present. That's tough for some people. Can't get out of their head. They just can't get out of their head. Because you're usually stuck in, you know, pain. So being aware. Who's around you? What's around you? Can I help? Can I change the mood in the room? Some classes are very somber in the gym, very quiet. It's like, how how can Corey be super stupid and silly right now to get people to laugh? Right? I do think those things. I do. So, again, be aware of what's around you. Um, that helps with your emotional thing. And again, all my life where it's been, running a marathon, doing a triathlon, climbing a freaking mountain, doing a, a race, doing a competition, that was a way for me also to deal with my shadows, my demons. It gave me enough of an outlet to exhaust the body, to quiet the mind. And that worked for me for a long time until it stopped working, Right. Why did it stop working? And, and what did you do after that? Is that when you went for, for so therapy? That's when I went for help. Okay. It stopped working. So my youngest son um, was diagnosed with epilepsy when he was uh, 15. Okay. And his is a kind of a, a special... So that was about five years ago? Yeah. Okay. And it's it's been a really hard time. Um, he has nocturnal seizures, so they're in his sleep. They're grand, so they're quite large. They are dangerous. He is on medication, which is working. They're, it's great as long as he's compliant, doesn't forget a pill or whatever. You know, typical young person, it's tough to yeah. manage to have a medical condition. And when you're young and to accept it, it's tough. And, you know, he's handling it with just uh, courage and, and, and doing really well and managing his health. But we've had some scares. We've had some close calls. And that whole trauma was a big, oh, I hate that word again, trigger. But it was a, 
it was a catapult for me that a lot of my past pain just literally rushed to the forefront. And my fear and my PTSD, no fault of Sean's. It was just, we were in a situation now and, and some other things had happened as well that that I won't talk about, that I'll keep private, but um, changed. I could not, I could not use all my tools in my toolbox. They weren't working. And it was outside of my scope of what I've tried to educate myself on. So I knew it was time to step out of that and I had to go seek. I needed somebody to help me put it back together. And I remember the first question she, my therapist had asked me, one of the first questions she, after she got to know me mm-hmm. was, what, what, do you, what do you want from this? What do you think? And the, the first word out of my mouth was peace. I just want peace. I don't want anything but peace. I need to understand and accept where I am, but I'm just having a hard time getting there. So help me. <laughs> help me get there. You know, and she, she's a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I can bounce off anything off her, right? And she's just like, okay, cool. And we'll just talk about it. So even if I got to show up and talk about the COVID, even if it's not even about, you know, even if it's something, I just got to get this shit off my mind. It's a good place to go for me. Yeah. Um, but, but looking again at, at your child that is having to live with a medical condition that there is a, not a goddamn thing you can do, it's actually all on him. Mm-hmm. And I can't, fix him, change him, take it away from him and mother him as a young adult like you can a younger per, a younger child. It's yeah. really for me it was very hard because you know, he's a young person just trying to be a normal young person. <laughs> you know, wants to party with his friends, wants to go drink and wants to all, the, all those things. So here's here's epilepsy. Alcohol avoidance, right? Got to stay away from the booze. Uh, medication compliant, you can't miss a dose. You got to manage your, sl- your stress levels and your sleep. What are the top four things a f- young person? None of those, yeah. right? So it's f- Sean's hundred percent responsibility, and I can't, I can't help with that. I can and c- coach or parent that, but at the end of the day, it's his responsibility. How understanding was he of that? Like was he? He was not understanding. No. So he really had our time with it, and, and and you know, forgive me, Sean. I'm I'm going to tell a little story about you, honey, and I I do it out of love. Um. He had a major seizure last January, where we had to rush him into the ER. And when he has a seizure, he's kind of out of it for quite a while. He has no memory of them, right? So. But then he, it takes him a while for cognitively for him to come back. And he has a lot of memory loss around the whole, the whole thing for hours and hours and hours. And this happens in his sleep, in right? His sleep. So he doesn't get them when he's awake. No, nope. when out. he's sleeping. Okay. And so during COVID, we couldn't go into the hospital. And he has nobody to advocate for him. And again, he has memory loss. He's not sure what's going on. He's confused. He went to bed, he wakes up in the hospital, like, what the hell? Right. Yeah. And I remember I put, so the ambulance came and the paramedics took him and I put his phone in his hand. So I knew that when he started to come around, he, I knew he'd go, <laughs> typical young person, go right to your phone, but right, that's all the communication I would have with him. Yeah. 
So Bill and I follow the, uh, the ambulance to the hospital. And I can't go in. I can't speak for him. And, you know, they're trying to call me and all this stuff. Because I said to the paramedics, you have to get the doctor to call me. Like, I have to tell them what's going on. And I said, well, he has epilepsy. And I said, he's going to be at, he won't know what's going on. And they're asking him questions. And he can't, he's not yeah. cognitive, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting in the truck freaking out. And uh, Bill's just really quiet. Because, you know, I'm in mom mode, back off, right? Yeah. Uh, survival mum mode and um, what happens after having a seizure to not for all I can only speak for I mean it's it's a common characteristic but I what I say to you is not everybody has the same outcome but after a seizure the hours after between what is it six and 24 hours correct me if I'm wrong and some of that is after the depression anxiety and suicidal ideation are very very high because the brain is just wonky right yeah everything's out of whack and correct so knowing that he's like that for a little bit after knowing what i've gone through in the past you can imagine right so i'm like fucking losing my mind he said to me the next day when he was at home i thought it had went away because we were like how did this happen he said well i I missed my pills because i thought it had gone away so it's hard for him. You know, he was hoping that it just wasn't there. And my heart just breaks, right? Because it's, you have to learn to live with this, buddy. Like, this is going to be a lifelong journey for you. Yeah. So I, I was really sad for him. And then I just try to parent him. And we try to look at it now is okay, let's still not use this for an excuse to have a good life, right? There's no, no it's like a diabetic. No. You manage it. It's like anything else. You know, my daughter also has severe scoliosis. She lives in constant pain. So she is limited physically what she can do. Like she just finished an MRI. You know, she's in Victoria. She had x-rays. Like she's in pain. The girl, sometimes she can't walk for days. She can't be active. She wants to be active. Yeah. It comes from an active family. It's hard, Gotta right? Keep up. Right. Keep so up. exactly. So these are the things that we parent and try to work with our kids to take responsibility, accountability, right, for yourself, because nobody else can do that for you. And those are hard things as a parent to do. I'm so good at telling other people that. I'm so shitty. At, like, I, oh my, I'll do that for you. You know, I'll take care. You know, I want to do everything for them. Mm-hmm. Well, the worst thing you can do for somebody, if people are able to do things for themselves, the worst thing you can do is do things for them. Right? Like, yep. that's the worst yep. thing. So I've had to learn a lot of lessons, too, and I've had to learn to let go and trust that Sean will take full responsibility for his health, right? Yeah. So those are hard things for me because I, I don't want to lose him. Like I love him so much. He's my son and I'm proud of him, right? And it's tough. Being a parent is really tough, but it sure grounds you. It sure, oh man, does it teach you shit that you never thought you needed to learn, eh? Yeah. I always think about all those things like, you know, you're supposed to, be given these lessons in life to learn. And if you continue to make, do them again with the same outcome, then it's just bad choices. Right. And I'm just like, well, I don't know if I've had to go through one 
twice over how many times. I'm not sure. I think another one just keeps coming and I just <laughs> keep learning. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. But that that's a tough one. The one with Sean is it's it's tough because again, like with Ayla, I'll trade backs with you. You can have my back, you know. Sean, I'll take the epilepsy. I'll do all you know, I want you to have, but that's not life. Yeah. Right? So you have to accept where you are. Right? That today was okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Or today was shitty. Tomorrow's a new day. Well, however you look at that. Yeah. And some days, like as I said, some days we're good at that and some days we're not. So it, it's tough. It, it's, a, it's, it's a really tough one. Comfortable situations there. Yeah. Oh, Lord. What's another one? Yeah. So how do we... Um, Learn from our, you know, our emotional mountain. This is a tough one. Clean up your emotional shadows. Do the work. It's not going to change until you do the work. It will only lead you to more peace and a fulfillment of life and better relationships. But you got, and you got to be damn honest with that. You have to have an awareness. You have to have an emotional awareness. What am I feeling? How am I reacting? What am I doing? What am I doing right now that makes the situation worse, better? How can I control that a little bit better, right? How do you manage that? How do you manage all that stuff? You have to come up with some kind of form. To me, management is physical. Totally. Going again, going back to that physical aspect. That helps me manage a lot of things. Without that, I would be floundering. Um, tone and body language. This is a big one for girls. We just look at us sideways and we're like, what is your problem? Mm-hmm. Right? So again... I've never oh, noticed that before. I've never you know, noticed that. I'm one. kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> you have a daughter, buddy. You better yeah. get onto that one. But how you walk into a room is your shoulder. If you see a gentleman or a person walking in, especially a young person, I would say like a, more of the male, they come in with slouched shoulders, they're hunched over. You know, they're not looking you in the eye. You know right away. We got some self-esteem to build here, right? Like we know this. So when you also present yourself, shoulders up. I like to say to the ladies, tits up, but that could be inappropriate. But I'm just saying. Poppies up. There I've you heard, go. I've heard uh, that That term. one sounds stupid. I, yeah, I know. Anyway, but, but yeah, poppies <laughs> up, whatever, poppies <laughs> up. But again, stand with authority. Like own that, right? Because sometimes when you just change your physical structure, it changes your presence. It's sometimes, again, the little things. And enough times that you do that, you become that because you really are trying to get to that. And it's being authentic because you need, you deserve that. You deserve to have, you know, to build yourself up. You need to be empowered because empowered people empower other people, period. We all know that shit. That's, that's a given. Yeah. Energetics. Well, sometimes I'm over the top. But yeah, again, coming in with a presence, right? Being that energy self. And some days it's hard. Some days like, I don't know, I want to stay in bed or whatever. But it makes a difference. For sure. You know, authentic connection to others. Being your absolute authentic self to the best of your ability. And again, that comes back to vulnerability. There is no shame in being vulnerable. There is a courage to that. And when you understand that, because people always think, well, I can't let people see that vulnerability in me. They're going to think I'm weak, shameful, or 
not a good person or whatever. That's a lie. That's a story we tell ourselves that is not the truth. Be okay to be vulnerable. Again, you get to decide who you give it to. That's your choice. But you, you deserve, you, you have the ability to be that, but that's, that's authenticity coming right out when you allow that. And there, that's my story on the emotional side. Emotional mountain. It's a big one. It is. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But the mental prep and the intuition, those are the two next ones. Yeah. They're not as heavy. <laughs> They're not quite as heavy. Well, this is our second episode. <laughs> we've, we've beat the previous one time-wise, oh. Corey. Yeah, we've gone, we're at about an hour and 11 minutes right oh now. Oh, goodness. We're doing pretty good. Oh, we are. Listen to us. Yeah. This is, uh, so I think we'll wrap it up here. Okay. And then we're going to move on to which mountains are the next ones? So the next ones are the um, mental preparation and intuition and spirit. But those you can, those are pretty quick. Okay, cool. So we're going to wrap this one okay. up here. Hopefully this gives you some ideas to, to deal with your emotional mountain and, and maybe start chipping away at it and taking some steps up it. Good analogy. A chipper. A chipper. It's a chipper. <laughs> it Good is. one. Um, yeah. Hopefully this episode made you a little bit better than yesterday. It's awesome having Corey still here for this. And, Bring uh, it on, baby. Yeah. We've got a couple more to cover. Okay. So hopefully you guys will turn in, tune in next week and uh, check out the next two mountains. Thanks. Thank you once again for listening, and thanks again, Corey, for thanks, everything. <laughs> Thank you for making the time to listen to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. If you liked our show, please head over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.